Father Eduardo, welcome to In the Pews. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about everything. Thank you for driving out here all the way to Fullshear. I mean, you're based downtown in the University of St. Thomas. How long have you been there? Now? I've been there for, for about three weeks now. Three weeks, so fresh. Fresh, 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 yeah. <laughs> so still very busy because the school year is about to start. Huh? That's right. We're planning everything up and, and we're just getting ready for, for the next month when all the students come in. And they're they're going to come in and things are just going to get crazy for you, huh? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the, you're the chaplain now. I'm there. the chaplain now there. So we have, even during the summer, we have mass uh -huh. uh, once a day, all Monday through Friday, and we have mass on Sunday as well. So we still have a good community that comes in for, for daily mass and for Sunday mass. Um, and I like to say, you know, going to the University of St. Thomas is like going back to home. Um, I, I went to school there, graduated there with my, my bachelor's degrees, my undergraduate degrees, and my, uh, my master's degree. So um, it's really like, I know a lot of the faces that are there. Uh, and the buildings. Just, the and buildings. The, yeah. I know where everything is. It's just some things have still changed over the years. You know, of it's, course. It's been some years. I got older along the way. I got a little beard too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Did you grow up here in Houston? No. Did, right? No. So I, I was born here in Houston. Okay. I was born here in Houston. My family, uh, my parents grew up here in Houston. Um, but I left when I was about five years old. And we moved to um, Corpus Christi. So from uh, my birth, I was born over at St. Luke's. And then um, I ended up getting baptized at St. Philip of Jesus, which is a tiny little parish on the east side of Houston. Okay. And then I actually went to Catholic school. I went to pre-K four, kindergarten, and part of first grade at St. Augustine, which is also on kind of like the southeast side. Um, after that, my, my dad changed jobs and we ended up moving to Corpus Christi. So something a little bit different. I was there from like the first to the second grade. And then we moved to, um, San Antonio mm. and in San Antonio, um, I ended up being homeschooled from like third to eighth grade. And then I went to Catholic high school. I went to St. Anthony Catholic high school. Like who would have guessed they would have had a St. Anthony Catholic school in San Antonio. Uh -huh. Right. Uh, but <laughs> I went there and I was there freshman and sophomore year of high school. Uh -huh. And then my dad changed jobs again and we moved to um, Arizona. And so in Arizona, I finished out high school. I did um, junior and senior year. Um, and it was kind of like in, in Arizona where I was like, well, most of my family's still back in Texas. I miss Texas. I spent uh -huh. most of my time back in Texas, you know, when you're out of the Lone Star State, you got to go back. You know? <laughs> so then you applied to, so to universities here. I in applied Texas. to universities here in Texas. I, I got a couple in Arizona, but I mean, the most of the the big state schools in Arizona are really big. Stuff uh -huh. like Arizona State is huge, and University of Arizona. Uh -huh. And I had been going to Catholic high schools, where, which were not super big. I mean, they had about maybe 500 students. So uh -huh. I was used to a smaller community. Mm -hmm. I'm used to where where like teachers know you. Yeah, you know most of the other students. Um, so I said, I got to go to a, a smaller university. And so my parents said, well, why don't you keep on thinking about discerning with it? And so I was like, well, let me ask father, let me ask the chaplain of my high school over in Arizona. Like, uh -huh. how do I, how can I figure out like where to go, what to do? And so that opened up a whole new discussion with him on discernment, not just discerning, um, like where to go to school, what, what college to go to, but the path of your, but the path life. of my life too. Uh -huh. I mean, I don't like the Holy Spirit was kind of leading me and saying like, hey, uh, you are going to kind of have to figure out what, what school you're going to go to, but 
honestly, you're going to have to figure out what kind of vocation you're called to. Too. The bigger picture. Yeah. So but speaking of the bigger picture, let, let's rewind. You, yeah. Your family is historically Catholic. Yes. Okay. Because yes, yeah. you said you went to Catholic school as, as a young child. So yes, that was yeah. a big part of your, your, your life. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everything from, so I remember like my, uh, when my parents couldn't pick me up from school over at, at St. Augustine's when I was like in kindergarten, uh-huh. they would have my grandparents go and pick me up from school, right? And they would uh-huh. take care of me after school. That was my after school care, right? And uh, my abuelita, my, my grandma, she would teach me prayers. She'd say, oh, okay, now we're gonna, we're gonna uh, say this prayer, repeat after me. And she would teach me the angel of God prayer, things oh, like that, yeah. right? The Hail Mary, the Our Father. So like even from that age, uh, it was, you know, the faith was was being passed on to me by my, my predecessors, by my my grandparents, my my aunts, uncles, my cousins, my my parents. Um, so I I have a lot to thank to my my family for for who so I am even today. With my faith at that young age, it was a very important part of your life. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Did they, did anyone look at you and say, "Oh, he's going to be a priest"? Not from right. a young age. Not not really. Not really. Um, they they kept uh, kind of saying like, "Hey, maybe you could be." Um, maybe you could be like uh, an attorney, a politician, because um, mm-hmm. I like to debate. I was in a lot of uh, drama plays too. I was a lot of, uh, I was like an actor. Uh-huh. So um, they would put me in a lot of different um, kind of plays. I actually, this is my little fun fact. My mom actually took me for an audition for a telenovela, for, for a Spanish soap opera really? when I was little. <laughs> I was like five or six years old. She took me into Univision and... Uh, uh, she, she's like, okay, we're auditioning for this. And so I, I auditioned, but I never got the callback. Uh-huh. So I said, what would have happened if I got the callback guy? Like <laughs> I would have been going into telenovelas or something, but, uh, I ended up, yeah. Uh, I ended up still doing kind of the drama, the play stuff, um, in through, through school, um, in through high school, doing everything from like musicals to like, um, tragedies to, to comedies, things like that. But did, did the thought of, uh, religious vocation, you know, priesthood, what, did it come in in high school or was it, it not until you started applying for colleges? It definitely, it, it came in more so at the end of, of senior year. So what, like I said, when I was um, trying to discern what college to go to and I went to, to our high school chaplain and he, he really said, hey, like, let's, let's just talk about discernment in general and then we can talk about like trying to find the right school for you, uh-huh. right? And so... That's when I was like, okay, so what, what, what is discernment, right? What are you like trying to figure out like choice A versus choice B versus choice C? And he's like, yeah, kind of, sort of, but it, it also involves a little give and take, a little listening and talking with God, a lot of prayer, right? Uh-huh. Um, a lot of communication with God. So it, it was from there that and I really just uh, kind of kept kind of talking to him and like slowly but surely those just kind of, Informal conversations with with that chaplain became uh, our spiritual direction time. Little did I know, I was already had a spiritual director in my senior year of high school. And what what parish was this? This was so. This is at our high schools. Uh, it was called Seton Catholic Preparatory High School. Okay, outside of Phoenix, just outside of Phoenix. Um, so that's that's when we were kind of still discerning a little bit more. Like I said, I was I was doing a lot of like drama, and people were like, "Oh, you you might be." like uh, an actor or you might be like, you'd be good with being like an attorney or something like that because uh-huh. you like to debate. And I was in mock trial stuff as well. And um, I said earlier, your speaking voice, you, before we got started, yeah. I said, you have a very good speaking voice. So I, yeah, th- that kind of presence on stage or in front of a microphone. Yeah, definitely is, seems natural for you. Yeah, yeah. And and my parents put me through, little. I, I didn't like it at first, but they put me through all these programs during the summer. I would say, okay, you got to go and 
do this mock trial event or you got to do this debate event or you got to do this kind of extreme, extemporaneous speaking event, um, this this drama workshop. So uh-huh. they were trying to keep me busy, putting me through all that kind of stuff. So you know what? To develop that talent. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it paid off in the end. I, I, it stuck with me, even though I didn't like it at first. But <laughs> <laughs> So was, was the odds on at that point, like, oh, he's going to become a lawyer when he grows up? Yeah. Yeah. So everything was going towards pre-law. Even um, when I was talking to... Uh, I was talking to my spiritual director back mm-hmm. in high school. He was like, okay, when you're discerning to, to look at different universities, like what are the things you want to look look for? And I said, okay, I want to look for like pre-law. What am I going to study, right? Pre-law, uh-huh. um, something with maybe international studies, political science, something like that. And so he was like, okay, so we've got those main things that we're looking for, but how about um, kind of like, what would what's like super important to you? I said, well, I said, you see me here at Daily Mass. So I was going to Catholic high school all all four years, uh-huh. and my Catholic high school, both in in San Antonio and in Arizona, um, had daily mass, and so I I had made it a point, um, probably midway through my freshman year, where I was getting to school early, and I just I, I wasn't liking just kind of sitting around waiting for class to start. People were having these kind of like. Um, these kind of crazy conversations or they were just getting into trouble before school started. Was it an all boys school? Uh, no, they were both co-ed. Okay. And so I, I was like, you know what? Mass is going on. Let me just go to the chapel. I know uh, how mass goes. At least start my day in that quiet, uh-huh. like just with the Lord. And so I started going to daily mass starting uh, when I was 14, when I was in high school. And so I went all the way from freshman year, all the way to my senior year in high school. Even when we moved, I was going to daily mass. And so daily mass was a huge part of, of who I was at that point. And I said, if we can find a school that has daily mass, mm. yeah. like that's, that's, and it's like a, a true Catholic university, like I'm going to, like, that's one of my big points. One of my, my big things that I'm looking for in a university. Is so that daily oh, mass? It's a daily mass. Yeah. And so we said, that's, that's awesome. Okay, we'll, we'll look for that. And so we started looking, I said, if we can go back to Texas too, that's, that's, that's a big deal. And so, <laughs> so you got all these boxes that you want to check. I had all these boxes. Check. I had a checklist, right? I was like, <laughs> okay, this is what I want in a, in a university. Mm-hmm. And so we started looking around. I, I, had to, I was like, oh, I might as well apply to the big state schools here in, in Arizona. Of course. Um, but then I also said, okay, I, I lived in San Antonio for a while. Mm-hmm. Why not apply to the University of Incarnate Ward, mm-hmm. uh, apply to St. Mary's University, and then um, I had I had my aunt who had attended the University of St. Thomas, and I was like, okay, I know about the University of St. Thomas. My parents said, well, why don't you why don't you try to apply? You know, your grandparents still live in Houston, your aunts, your uncles still live in Houston. Um, why don't you go and and check it out? So I said, okay. So we went and we were just we were in town in Houston for for Christmas uh-huh. that year from Arizona, and. Um, we were just saying, okay, let's just drive around the campus. We drove around the campus, didn't have any kind of formal, um, didn't have any kind of formal, uh, let's say like tour or anything like that. Okay. But just sightseeing. Just sightseeing, just looking around. I said, you know what? So for some reason, this feels like home. This feels wow. like, 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 a, like a community that I could be a part of. Like I could see myself here for years and years. So, it's a very comfortable environment, the, the university, because my son goes there. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very comfortable. <laughs> you walk in and it doesn't, it's not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's not crazy busy. 
you don't feel like you're like this little, tiny speck walking through this gigantic, you know. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it has a very home feel. And that's what I loved about it because I really wanted to, to know my professors. I wanted them to know me and I wanted to get to, to know as many people as I could, just be connected with as many people as I could mm-hmm. at the university. And I knew I wasn't going to get that at some of these bigger state schools. So Yeah, you'll just be a yeah, number. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I had that trip. I went back to, to school. I went to my spiritual director and I said, hey, I, I visited this university. I already applied to all these other universities. But for some reason, this one over here in, in Houston, the University of St. Thomas feels like home. Uh-huh. And he's like, well, you know, that's, that's the Lord telling you like this this is your place. Like when you feel like something, you're at home somewhere, that's, that's where the Lord is, is telling you to be. At this point, did you ever think that, hey, one day I'll be the one saying mass, the daily mass here? You no, know, Steve. no, no, never. <laughs> so that was the crazy. So I, I ended up, uh, I ended up applying to University of St. Thomas. I got in, I accepted everything like that. And then of course, my parents being who they were, they wanted to put me through another summer program. And so at the University of St. Thomas, we have a program um, in the summer for, for incoming freshmen to kind of get acquainted with the university, take a couple of classes, get used to the college um, kind of uh, lifestyle and things like that. And so my parents were like, you, you should do this to get ready. I said, fine, I'll, I'll do it. So July before my, my first year at the university, I started taking classes there. So before any of the freshmen show up, I'm already taking classes. And, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go to daily mass. So I went to daily mass. Mm-hmm. First time I went to daily mass, the priest, the chaplain there at the time, he says to me, hey, uh, do you want to altar serve? I said, yeah, sure, sure. Uh-huh. I mean, I have no, no connection with him whatsoever. We never talked before. He just kind of invites me He just me pulled in. you out. He, he just pulled me out of the crowd. Exactly. Here, do you want to altar serve? I said, sure. So I altar serve for him. And then all of a sudden after mass, he's like, hey, do you want a job in campus ministry? I'm like, what is going on here? (laughs) I'm like, I've been here for one day and I'm already getting a job at this university. I said, what does the Lord have in store for me? So uh, I said, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So I ended up working in campus ministry uh, during my undergraduate time there as a student worker. And we were, I was doing everything from um, helping plan retreats to answering the phone to kind of um, being a sacristan at the daily masses, things like that. So I was just doing some of the basic stuff. Uh, Imagine if you had not gone to that daily mass, somebody else would have gotten the job, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So uh, like being open to the Lord and saying, hey, let me let me go in and just spend some time with you, really open up all these other opportunities. Uh-huh. Um, but honestly... I would never have imagined that I would be celebrating mass there, but like as chaplain 13 years later. That's it's, awesome. Yeah. Did uh, that priest ever say anything to you? Like I, I, I saw something there that might, you know, or he just, it was just random. It was just kind of random. He never, he never said, you know, Hey, he was, he was a very welcoming priest. He was very inviting. Uh-huh. And, and then he, he later on when I was going to the university there, he became my spiritual director as well. And he oh. was the one that really introduced me to, the religious order that I'm a part of now, the Bazillion Fathers, right? Which which priest is this? This is his name is uh, Father Mike Buenteo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is he still there among the Bazillion no, Fathers? No, he, he's uh, he's moved he's moved on now, but uh-huh. he's uh, he's kind of left an imprint, and and so I'm going back there, and I'm like, okay, I remember this is what Father Mike used to do, and this is what some of the other chaplains used to uh-huh. do. Um, like maybe this is this is the way that I'm going to do things now, right? Um, so I I what. What's nice is that I, I know the history 
kind of the recent history mm-hmm. of of um, what was going on in campus ministry and the university as a whole. Uh-huh. So you know you can kind of see like where we've been in the past few years and kind of where we hope to be. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it, it's a it's a good way of just saying saying like hey like I know this pond and uh, like I I know where it was a couple years back and I know where we're trying to grow to. Yeah. Now. It's cool that yeah. you you can see, you you know, the history, at least for those years that you were in college, yes. you know that, okay, the kind of the trajectory, you can kind of see where it, where it's headed, you know, the, where it was 13 years ago and, and where it is now. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. That's a huge advantage for you then, huh? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and honestly, when we're getting into like all the, the new staff stuff, they have like these new staff and faculty orientation and everything like that. I'm like, well, I'm sure some things have changed, uh-huh. but kind of the basics of like the history of the university, um, kind of the bazillion charisms, the 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 lasting impression that uh, our religious order has left on the university. I mean, that still stays. And being part of the religious order and being part of that tradition from years before uh, kind of gives me, I would say, um, like a head start on on just being there, on on kind of getting ready to to help new students along that path as well. So you're there in your first year. Mm-hmm. You, you, you've got a job now for the campus ministry. You're, you're altar serving. You're going there to daily mass. When does it finally sink in that, hey, maybe I should seriously consider becoming a priest? So it's probably in my spring semester of my first year there where I'm, I'm a little bit more, uh, I would say, serious about my discernment. So when I arrived, I, I started out, as an international studies major, I was like, well, we're going to go pre-law. We're going in this direction. This is the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I end up taking one international studies course and I'm like, this is not for me. This is, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to continue with this. So uh, I ended up, I said, okay, um, let me just take care of the core curriculum first. Let me take care of my philosophy, my theology, and some of my other basic courses. And then I'll see where, where the Lord is leading me. Um, I ended up going into the chapel spending some time even after daily mass and just saying, Hey God, like, what do you have in mind for me? Uh And so I said, I I feel really drawn to, to teaching as well. I I would love to, um, to be up there and to share what I've learned with, with others and to, and to have those interactions and experiences with, with students, Mm -hmm. whether at the kind of at the high school level or at the university level. I don't know if I could deal with the little kids. That's, that's a little <laughs> bit much for me if I have all these little kindergartners running around me. So I was like, okay, high school or, or university, I can work with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I was, I started going to, um, well, I had a friend who, who was really, really serious about his discernment. He, he had been discerning for uh, kind of all through college. He was ahead of me by a couple years. And he said, okay, why don't you come with me to, to this diocesan event? Why don't you come with me to um, this, uh, this, this religious order is having a, a vocation event, a vocation panel, right? Uh-huh. And so I was going with him to stuff for, for the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. I was going with him to events um, for, for different religious orders. And I was, I was getting a little bit more serious. And I'm saying, okay, well, maybe this really is for me. I, maybe, maybe God really is calling me to, to the priesthood. And so... Eventually, one day that that's that spring semester, he says, "Hey, the uh, the Bazillion Fathers, the Congregation of Saint Basil, is going to have a vocation retreat this month." 
Now, I don't know anybody else on the retreat. Uh-huh. Um, can you come with me at least like, just like provide some support? I mean, you don't have to be like super like um, ready to, to kind of jump into a religious order, but at least like I'll know one other person there. So I don't feel completely awkward. Uh-huh. I said, yeah, you know what? I'm free that weekend. Let's go. Let's and go. And the Brazilians it. are the, the fathers that are exactly the visit. UST. Yes. The Brazilian fathers are the ones at UST. Like I always say, we're not Brazilian. We're Brazilian <laughs> named after St. Basil. So, um, I, I said, you know what? I'll go with you on the, on the, the retreat. So we went and I ended up, um, it was led by one particular priest. His name is Father Kevin Story, who is now the superior general. He's like the head of all the Brazilian fathers. Mm. And so he went and we spent the weekend discussing um, kind of discerning a vocation in general, and then discerning a vocation to, to the priesthood, and then discerning a vocation to religious life and how, how that looks living out the Brazilian way of life, our uh-huh. vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. So we, we went through that whole weekend and something struck me. I said, this is like, I can definitely see myself living out this, this calling. Uh-huh. Um, the bazillions are teachers. I, I feel called to, to teach. And the way that um, Father Story explained everything, he said, the bazillions are willing to use your God-given talents so that you can teach and, and evangelize and share the faith with others in the classroom. So maybe, maybe you're very good at math. Mm-hmm. And so um, maybe you have this um, kind of like math degrees, you have maybe a business degree or something like that. You can take that into the classroom, teach students about that. Mm-hmm. But through your example as well, you can incorporate the faith and yes. share that with them as well. So they can see, you know what? It takes more than just two plus two equals four to really and truly live out our lives and find true happiness. You know, I need to find that in Christ as well. So it's, it was really through that retreat that, you know, I went into kind of saying, okay, I'm here to support my friend. I'm here to be like, just be there to, to be with him. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it was really in that moment that the, the Holy spirit touched me and said, you know what, this is where you need to be. And I, I had that exact feeling of being at home again. Oh, I had that exact feeling, just like I had when I went to the university, yeah. when I started there, I had that exact feeling of being at home again. So I, I ended up saying, okay, uh, what's the next step? I told Father Story, I said, what is the next step for, for joining the Bazillions? And so he talked to me about um, the different steps in formation um, for the, the Bazillion Fathers. And the first step is the associate program. That's that's kind of like what some religious orders call the, the postulancy, mm, being a postulant. Yes. Yeah. So I, I became an associate. Um, I applied and I became an associate later on that, that year. Now, so, this friend of yours, did, yeah. did he proceed with it? That's or? the funny thing. So he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really all about you. <laughs> exactly. And I, really, I mean, it really brought me in. So I was like, man, I was like, well, thanks for bringing me along. I was the one that ended up joining and, and he didn't. So it was, it was, it was definitely kind of a wake up call from the Holy Spirit to say, Hey, you know what? Sometimes you think it's going to go one way and it just goes yeah. completely the other. God used him yeah, exactly. to bring you in. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's odd yeah. how, uh, how life works sometimes. Huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, I ended up applying and I joined the associates. Um, and so I became uh, an Abazillion associate, which meant that I, I still was keeping up with my studies. I was still studying. I ended up changing to, to theology and philosophy. And 
I really um, was able to, to get to know more about the Bazillion Fathers. I was going on retreats with them. I was um, going to, to eat meals with them, pray with them every mm-hmm. week. Um, I, I met with them, uh, my spiritual director, who was a Bazillion Father. So I was getting more and more involved in getting to know more and more of the priests in, in my religious order. And that particular and that lifestyle. And that particular lifestyle during that time. Now, did, at any point, did you think about, you know, diocesan priesthood or any other religious or, order? I did, I did. So when when we were going through, um, when I was going with my friend to some of these other events, when we went to these archdiocesan events, I said, you know, I could, I could see myself with this, but there's still something like missing. I feel like I, I need that community life. I need that... Um, I need those brothers with me uh-huh. each step of the way to kind of uh, to keep me humble, to to keep me accountable, and mm. to remind me like, hey, this is what we're we're all moving towards. We need that support. I was so used to this. Goes back to that like being in a smaller school setting, um, being in a kind of a tight knit group. Yeah. I was so used to having these um, these smaller family kind of units. Even my my own family. I'm an only child, so it was only me and my my parents really. So very tight. So yeah. So very tight knit, and I was so used to that. And I said, I I feel like I need that even um, through like through my my priesthood. So I, that's why I, I I kind of was drawn more to to religious life. I guess because if you're a diocesan priest, in some ways, m- most of the week you're kind of on an island, huh? Yes, yeah, yeah. You're there at your parish, and it's maybe just you know two or three priests. Mm-hmm. But right now you've got like a whole group of you, right? Right, Is right. That- and so what. The other, the other piece of that was I said, you know, diocesan priests really stay in a specific diocese, right? They'll, they'll stay in, um, in Galveston, Houston. They might move around to different parishes, but they're going to uh-huh. stay here in this area. Yeah. And I said, I've moved around so much. For some reason now, I've, I've gotten so accustomed to moving mm. from moving from Houston to Corpus Christi to San Antonio to Arizona and back to Houston. I feel strange if I don't move like a little bit, <laughs> yeah, like every couple of years, if I, if I move, I'm like, okay, I, I, I'll feel a little bit better. So that's where I, I was more open to maybe being sent to another country or another city. Um, so that's where religious life also kind of pulled me in. Um, your parents, did they at any point uh, resist your vocation since you're an only child? Did they say, oh, you know, we're not going to have any grandkids if he becomes a priest? Did that ever come into play? That actually, it didn't. My, my parents were very supportive all the way through. Thank God they were, they were very supportive all the way through. Um, the ones that were not very supportive at first were, were my grandparents. My mm. grandparents were like, oh, no, you're not going to have any, uh, you're not going to have any uh, grandkids for your for your parents, you're not going to have any great grandkids for us. You know, uh-huh. you're like the last one to have um, your your Rivera name and everything. And I'm like, well, I was like, you you got other grandkids, grandma and grandpa. And and then <laughs> I was like, this and and this is what God's calling me to. And it's, I said, I'm going to be more fruitful in this way than than I ever thought possible. Like I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna help so many people in in ways that I, I never thought I could. So uh, eventually, like. They're cool with it now. They actually uh-huh. come to a lot of my family members since they live in Houston. They come to a lot of my masses, so I all end up seeing them at um, at some of my daily masses at the university or, or some of my Sunday masses. So it's you know now they're they're super supportive. Was uh, there a moment where it just they 
all of a sudden became supportive or was it a gradual thing? They they all of a sudden became more supportive um, definitely when once I was ordained. So once I was ordained like a deacon and then uh-huh. during my priesthood ordination, they were they were super supportive. All in at that all point. All in at that point. They're like, okay, like he he did it. He's he's serious about it. Like this, yeah. <laughs> in in your discernment process, what was the most difficult part of deciding to become a priest? Um, I would say I would say the was it the celibacy? The the celibacy not so much because I had I felt like I had I was never lonely. I was never lonely especially being in religious life. I was I have not been lonely. Um there have been moments where I was like okay like it would be nice to have a family with me right now but mm-hmm. um I I always gotten the chance to to be with my brothers to have the support of my brothers. If I'm having a rough day and I come back and I see one of the priests uh one of the, one of the um, scholastics, the seminarians around, and then we just kind of sit down and just talk. I, I, I'm like, I know I have somebody to support me and I have their back, they have mine. So uh-huh. I wouldn't say the celibacy wasn't such a huge, um, kind of huge obstacle. Um, I would say through it all, the, the biggest thing that was kind of tough was, was the obedience. People don't really think about the vow of obedience um, but really kind of giving up on what you want and what you think is best for you and kind of being open to God working through other people in your life, especially your your religious superiors. Yeah. That's hard. Uh, that's listening to somebody and saying like, hey, like I've seen you mess up. I know, I know you're not that great at making some of these decisions, but you know what, I'm going to trust that the Lord is working through you and I'm going to trust your decision to come over here. Even though maybe I, I see a better possibility going over here and doing this. Uh-huh. That's tough. That's yeah, because it's you're letting go of the control over your career. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, okay, we, we really think you'd be good over here. Now, they're, they are speaking with us. We are entering into a conversation saying like, hey, um, like I have these kind of skills and things and we, we have these kind of needs over here for... Um, the university, for the the parish, for our high schools, things like that. Um, we think that you'd be a good fit over here. What do you think? So we, we'll talk it out. But at the end of the day, they're the ones that are going to say, hey, like you're going to be moving the, over to They make the final call. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> of course, they don't want to force you into something that you, you don't super, you know, that's really not right for you. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, but it's, it's, they have that final say. Huh? For sure, for sure. So that's the hardest part, letting go of that. Letting go of that. I would say like letting go of your own desires and, and your own wants and being open to to God, what God wants and working through those those superiors, those other people um, is, is kind of tough. It's very tough. Did anyone say to you like any of your like um, old friends growing up, oh, I saw it in you that you were going to become a priest? I had uh I had a couple. I had a few and then I had some on the other end that were like, "No, are you sure? Are you really sure you're going to you, you want to be a priest? Are you sure? Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Have but I, it wasn't a huge <laughs> surprise to people, was it? It wasn't a huge surprise. I mean, people knew that I I was going to daily mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was they knew that I was really dedicated to my faith and mm-hmm. um they 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 saw something in me that I didn't see at first. And so it was it wasn't a big surprise to to some people and it was to others. So, it, you know, <laughs> when you were talking about daily mass, it yeah. took me back to my high school because I, I went to a um, a Catholic high school, mm-hmm. and 
they had the chapel was like not too far from my my junior the classroom in junior year in the morning and i was like man maybe i should have gone to daily mass a couple of times at least tried it out i don't think i've i don't think i went once in 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 that junior year and then i'm starting to regret it <laughs> I, get you. I, I mean i wasn't in that place at yeah. the time i guess so yes yeah yeah i Honestly, most days at both at both high schools, I was I was the only student there at daily mass. So it, it really built up that that understanding of mass. Like this is this is a very intimate moment. Like this uh -huh. is a one on moment one on one moment with with Christ and His sacrifice. Because sometimes it would just be uh, myself, the the priest, and then maybe one or two teachers, and that was it. So it was only about four of us at mass at daily mass, and so it it, it built up that that strong, like intimate, tight-knit connection. Um, Even at USD, the, 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 the chapel there, it feels yeah. very, very comforting. Yes, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a small chapel, but it's very comforting, very home feel. Yeah, and so now that I'm celebrating Mass there, I'm like, I was, I was literally <laughs> back here sacristaning. I was literally back here uh, kind of cleaning up some of the dirt and, uh -huh. and taking out the trash and things back here a couple of years back, and now I'm celebrating Mass here. I'm like, this... It 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 gives a, a different flavor to it mm. when you're in there, and you did kind of the most basic things, yeah, basic uh, form of work in a in a place, and now you are doing something completely different on a it's different level. It's kind of like one of the executives saying, "Hey, you know, I used to be a janitor here, exactly, and I worked my yeah. way up, you know? exactly, yeah, yeah." <laughs> and now you're the chaplain at yeah. the, the university. That's awesome. Did you ever look at? Uh, at any of the students and try to pull them aside and offer them a job. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I can, I can do this, but I'm like, I don't know if I can offer you a job yet because I think all our positions are filled, but I'm going to pull one in for, for altar serving or for being a lector or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Kind of hand off that torch. Exactly. Like, are you eyeing anyone right now? I am. Yeah. I have a couple people in mind. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> We won't spoil the surprise. Yeah, <laughs> I doubt my son is one of those. I don't think. I don't. Well, but you never know. Yeah, you yeah, never yeah. know. Yeah, my, you, he's got a girlfriend right now, but you never know. You never know. Where you know. I had a girlfriend back then too, so you never know. <laughs> Speaking of girls, what was yeah. it like your, your dating life like in you know high school and college? So uh, I I had girlfriends in in high school and in college. It's just a. It was kind of just an average dating life. Um, just getting to to be friends first talking with them um, and, and kind of making those connections. After a while, um, we, we went our separate ways and it wasn't until, uh, like we went our separate ways in high school because we were moving, I was moving to, to another college, uh, another state, right? And then uh, in, in college, I, I, uh, we moved apart, we um, broke up because I was, I said, I need to really seriously discern this. Mm. And so, it was kind of in that more serious um, tone for my discernment that I was like, I need this space to to really focus and see, like, listen, hey, is this really what God's calling me to? Did she have difficulty with that decision? Uh, she did. She did. Oh, that's, yes, that yeah. must be a really tough uh, conversation to have. Yes, yeah. So then you decide to pursue the... Yes, I decided to pursue religious life, to pursue um, to pursue the, the Basilians. And, you know, I've I would say... When I talk about it, there was no big light bulb moment. There was no moment where I was like, okay, like this is for me. I'm like, this is exactly where I need to be. Mm -hmm. It was definitely more of a progressive thing. It was definitely, okay, let me, let me try out the associate program. Let me go in. Let me, let me see. Let me get to know these priests better. Let me get to know the, the history and the, 
the background of these bazillion fathers better mm-hmm. better um and so it was like year to year i'm like okay let's let's do like a check let's do a check-in and see like hey is everything still good do i still feel at home here is this where i, I feel like uh-huh. god is calling me to be and i was like yeah every year it was like yes i've had i would have definitely moments where i was i was really challenged where i was I was like, I really don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. But then I had those, those joy-filled moments, those moments where I was, I was spending time with, with the brothers, where I was um, hanging out with, with some of the priests, and we were just like talking about ministry with other people, just hanging out, watching a movie, uh-huh. just, just talking about everything that we were going through and, and really being supportive of each other. So I was like, this is where I need to be. This is like a family. This is like my home. So... Every year I was doing those check-ins and even when I went to, uh, right before my ordination to the diaconate, I was like, is this really supposed to be for me? Like, is, you know, is God really calling me to, to ordination? And I was like, yeah, this is, this is where God is calling me to, to serve his people. And so each, each year we were going through. Now the tough part was uh, actually was when I, when I was ordained a priest because I was ordained in 2020. So okay. oh. right in the middle of the pandemic, right in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> so we, we were literally in our last semester at seminary here uh-huh. at St. Mary's in Houston. Yeah. And um, I was there with uh, a lot of the diocesan guys from, from here and from different parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we all of a sudden got the call. We were like, hey, um, the university is shutting down. We're going to try to go virtual uh-huh. and um, see what happens. And so we were kind of in this limbo, right, since from March, because March is really when everything kind of got shut down. Uh-huh. And so we were kind of in this limbo because a lot of us uh, had ordinations like from May all through the summer. And we're like, uh, we're, we're about to send out like invitations. We're about to yeah. get ready for this ordination. Like everything, all our, our, all our ducks are in a line. We're, we're ready to go. Yeah. What is going to happen? Oh yeah. We're, Everything's yeah, yeah up in the air now. Yeah. And so we were, I mean, we were making calls. Um, I was talking to my religious superiors and they were saying like, Hey, with everything going on, we, we talked to, to, like the the bishop, so I was ordained by Bishop George Schultz, the auxiliary here from from Houston to the priesthood. So okay. he's like he's he's ready to go. He's actually good with it. We're just gonna wear masks. And my ordination happened pretty early on during the pandemic. It happened in May 2020, May 23rd, 2020. Uh huh. And so we we went in there, and I and I was ordained with a with a mask on. So we we were this is basically kind of like hey. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's, we kept it small as well. Mm-hmm. And so this big scale ordination that we had planned got pared down to about 30 people. Wow. But we, we were able to live stream it and, and uh, get it out to a lot of people. And uh, I'm sure you had relatives who probably were planning on flying exactly. in and all of that just yeah. out the window. All that got out the window. So I only had a, a couple of immediate family there. And um, what ended up happening was something kind of crazy uh they did we did the live stream of the whole ordination mass mm-hmm. and then people started sharing the live stream they people that didn't even know me started watching the live stream mm. and so we we ended up getting like thousands and thousands of views yeah. on on youtube and they started sharing it with more and more people and uh, and people people were like oh yeah we shared it with with so and so in uh in mexico we shared it with so and so in brazil and i'm like i don't even know anybody in brazil like who are you people <laughs> sending these things to i was like what so they, they, 
it, it ended up getting passed more and more and people were, were excited because they were like, oh, we, we even got to see, like that, that gave us some hope that we could still, like the pandemic wasn't, wasn't going to like end everything. Like yeah. we still had something, like we were still going to be pushing forward, persevering. Yeah. Um, we still, you know, we can still see an ordination. People are still becoming priests even during like all this chaos that's happening. And the nice thing is it's like a huge silver lining where, you know, everybody's stuck at home, yeah. right? We're, we're all quarantined still at that point. But now people who normally wouldn't watch an ordination, mm-hmm. they're stuck at home, you know, hey, let me click on this link and watch it. You know, because I don't have the options of going out and doing stuff, you know, let's sit down and they got exposed to, exactly. uh, yeah, an ordination. That's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so a lot of them said to me, like, I'd never seen it before. I never, I, I never seen like how someone becomes a priest yeah. and how, it was amazing. It was beautiful. I was like, and that was like only with 30 people. Imagine if there's more people there. Right? <laughs> were you ordained alone or were there? Uh, was I was, there... Uh, I was ordained alone. So I was the, the one bazillion that was ordained that year. And then some of my classmates were ordained like the, the weekends that followed. That's cool. Yes. That's yeah. Cool. So you said that you were at St. Mary's. Yes. So you were classmates with some of our guests. I, in the yeah, past. I, I was classmates with some of, uh, some of your guests. So I would say like, if you think of um, some of the guys like father David, Michael Moses, so uh-huh. he was, think of him as being like the, the year ahead of me. He was like okay. the great ahead of me. So if I was like a, a junior, he was a senior. Okay. So, we were about uh, a year apart. Who was pretty much your batch? My batch would have been Father Mark Abair and Father Took Win. Okay. And so they're here in Galveston, Houston. Uh, Father Mark Abair is actually the the Cardinal Secretary, and Father Took is a parochial vicar over at St. Thomas More. And then, so the year ahead of me was like Father David Michael Moses. The year behind me were people like Father Chad. Yes. Um, people like Father Houston. Some of them. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So you, the worlds still kind of connect yes, yes, with yeah. each other. And then now you're in pretty much in the same vicinity here in Houston again. With, yeah, That's right. So, I mean, I, I like to say when it comes to, to the Bazillion Fathers, we're kind of like a hybrid car, like a hybrid community in that we were originally founded by 10 diocesan priests okay. who came together to, to live out religious life because they were, they were living in a very remote part of France and during the years that they were in France, during kind of right after the, the French Revolution, they had outlawed the, the formation of priests. They had outlawed like seminaries and, and, and oh. kind of helping guys get ordained uh-huh. later on. So they didn't want any new priests. The, Fr- like, the French government said, you know, we don't want any new priests. But, wow. you know, these 10 diocesan priests saw the need. We were like, we need to ordain more priests. We need more vocations. Uh-huh. Um, we can't let the faith die here in France. So what they did was they started... Uh, kind of like secret, uh, a hidden seminary out in in this remote part of France, uh-huh. and so they were they were still f- teaching and forming men for the priesthood. But uh, whenever, say, like the the French army would come into town and start like checking on things and looking through things, they would hide everything, and then once they were gone, they would come back out and say, "Okay, let's let's continue our formation, let's continue our work," and so they that's when these 10 priests said hey you know what like let's form a religious order that focuses on education evangelization sharing the gospel uh especially teaching teaching um teaching men teaching people uh so that they can carry the faith to others and so it, it we began from there and uh really what happened was they had a couple of students who 
who got ordained priests uh-huh. and then they got ordained bishops. They became bishops and they ended up moving out to Canada. And these guys said, you know, um, so the Bishop of Toronto says, we have a lot of immigrants coming in. have a lot of uh, people coming in who, who need a better education. They need a way of, of learning about, about the faith, about the world. Like the, the public system is not going to help them out. We need, uh, really some Catholic schools out here to, to really help our community. And so he said, I remember those, those teachers I had out in France. Why don't I call some of them, those priests and see if they can bring some, some over to and Toronto. And that was the beginning. And that was the beginnings of where the, the bazillions started to spread, right? That's cool. And so what were they able to send? They didn't have that many priests. Bazillions uh-huh. have always been very small. So we didn't have that many priests. So they were only able to send three priests. They sent three priests from France to, to Canada, to Toronto. Uh-huh. And they started a school with three priests. Wow. And it exploded. They, they started a, a high school and then they, they had a parish and then they had a university. They said, you know what? These, these uh, students of ours need uh, a place where they can get higher education. They can get degrees. Mm-hmm. Let's start a university for them as well. So they saw a need and they worked with the resources that they had. They didn't have that many people, but they were able to, to give so much. Um, that's cool. So is, is that what it drew you to, to the Basilians, ex- the education? The education, that's exactly what drew me in. The education and um, just kind of the small, tight-knit community uh-huh. the, um, and the, the way that they use their, their gifts, their talents, their resources, although they're meager, to, to, to really um, like benefit the, the glory of God, to benefit the, the people that they serve. Um, if you weren't with the Basilians, yeah. what other order would you have... So I was really drawn to also the, the Oblates of Mary Immaculate. So the Oblates of Mary Immaculate um, was founded by Father uh, by Bishop Eugene Mazenod, Saint Eugene, and he uh, actually focused on serving the poor and missionary work. Okay. So that's their main focus. But they also ran the the high school that I went to in in San Antonio. Mm. Okay. And so that's where I was like, okay, I I know a lot of Oblates. Um, my family was friends with a lot of oblates along uh-huh. the way. So I said, you know, I, I know them, I feel at home with them, but it's, it's not exactly the same feeling. It's like, it's like the difference between being at home with your, with your immediate family and then uh-huh. being at home with some like, like second cousins or uh-huh. first cousins, right? Yeah. Like, you, you know, like, it's like, oh, this is home. It's like, familiar I, and comfortable. It's familiar. Like, yeah. these are my relatives. Like, I know these people, yeah. but um, like, this is actually like my brother, my sister. Like, this is, this is like where... Like I'm really feel like okay, I can I can put my feet up. And you knew that right away when you were in there with the business. Yes, yes, yeah. What was? Do you remember anything in particular about your ordination? So I remember uh, for like my priesthood ordination, just being kind of nervous. As like I was super nervous. I was like, how is everything going to go? Um, because we were we were like scrambling because we had to pare everything down, and then we were trying to be super safe for for everybody involved too. We didn't want anybody to get sick when we were trying oh, to yeah, coordinate because of the pandemic thing. Yeah. The pandemic thing. Uh, we didn't know that much about what was going on this yeah. in the early days, the early months of the pandemic. Nobody knew anything about no, anything back no. then. And yeah. so we were trying to, to really um, kind of um, kind of lean things out and just say, okay, we're only getting 30 people. We're going to keep it like uh, nice and, and tight and, and specific with everything. Um, and just planning. So we had all this music planned. We had to, they had to pare it down. We had all these... Um, priests that were going to come in to concelebrate and a lot of them couldn't fly in. So it, it was, it was, it was kind of nerve wracking because I ended up having to, to kind of uh, work on a lot of the stuff, but uh-huh. 
when it came like past the practical stuff, I, I just took some time before the ordination. I woke up early that day and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to take some time. I'm going to take, uh, an hour or more in just adoration, just being there with our, with our Lord and just giving it all to him. Because at the end of the day, he's the, the one that's, that's going to be the, give me the graces that I need in this sacrament of, of holy orders. And he's going to be the one who, who really helps me become all that I can. So I just, I went in there, I took my time in, in, in the chapel with him. And at the end I said, you know what, I'm ready. So I went out there and we started getting all the stuff ready. Then we started doing all the practical stuff, moving around some of the, uh-huh. <laughs> some of the, the things. For then it got busy. The then it got busy. And yes, there's yeah. no time to sit and think about it anymore, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you got to go to the next thing. We're going, yeah, we're going and going and going and going. But yeah, I, I would say that's, that's the way I felt. I felt more at peace during the actual uh, mass. What was on your mind when you were laying prostrate? When I was laying prostrate, I was just thinking, Lord, like... Like I give you everything, my, my heart, my mind, my, um, my, my whole being so that you can, can help your people know more about you so that they can, they can understand who you truly are. And so that's, I just kind of gave him everything. And, uh, and then I, I, when they call me back up, I, I got up and I was like, I was kind of in a daze. I'm like, what is this? Is this just the blood rushing back to my head? What's going on? Like, uh-huh. I'm like, was, is the Holy Spirit ready for me or what's going on? So uh, I, I was really like, I'm just giving you everything. So that, when I got, when I picked out my, um, when I picked out the readings for my ordination, I, I really, I, I really focused on um, the, the gospel, which I picked was, the gospel was the, uh, the good shepherd, mm-hmm. Jesus, the good shepherd, right? So I was like, I was like, God, you call me to be a good shepherd and I'm willing to lay down my life for these people. So everything I've tried to do from my first assignment to where I am now, I'm like, I'm gonna lay down my life for these people as much as I can. So uh, I'm like, if if the priest in essence, if a, if a priest is supposed to offer sacrifice on behalf of others, the first sacrifice he has to make is himself. He has to give himself for for the people that he's he's caring for, for and his that's life. what you were thinking. And that's about. what I was thinking about when I was like when I was there laying down, um, all throughout my ordination. Um, that's that's what I was I was so focused on. Your grandparents were they able yep. to make it, or did they have to stay home because of the pandemic? They were able to make it. They were oh. able to make it. So I at that time it was my 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 I have my grandfather and my grandmother from my my mom's side of the family, and then my grandfather was the only one living from my father's side of the family. So they were all able to make it. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Did they say anything to you that that you remember in particular? Because you know the, you were telling me about yes, how they yeah. were teaching you the prayers when you were young. Yes, yeah, they were yeah. part of that early religious formation yeah, yeah. for you. So they. Uh, they, they, you know, my, my grandfathers hugged me and they say, you know, we're so proud of you. They, they started crying. They were, we're so proud of you and all that you're doing. We know you do great things. God bless you. And, and then my grandmother, like a, like a typical abuelita, right? A typical uh, Mexican abuelita. She hugs me and she says, Echele ganas. I'm like, what? <laughs> Which means like, Echele ganas means like, like put, put, put a lot of effort into it. Like, like oh. give it your all, give it your all. Mm-hmm. This and is so what like, you're yes, doing. Give it your all. Go hundred yeah. percent. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I always remember all my, my abuelita, my, my grandmother always keeps me humble. She's like, oh, give it your all. Like, like no yeah. matter what. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. What was your first assignment? 
So my first assignment um, was actually the was the parish, St. Anne Parish. Originally, originally, so before the pandemic, everything happened. Um, they were planning, the Bazillion Fathers were planning to send me to St. John Fisher College, which is up in Rochester, New York, okay. to be there and to, to work in campus ministry, which is like what I do now. So that was the original plan before the pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, after the pandemic, after my ordination, um, at St. Anne's, uh, the pastor, it was literally maybe about three, four days after my ordination, the pastor uh, had gone outside to to check on some trees because they had trimmed some trees on the property. So he went outside to, to check on them and they had finished trimming the trees around eight o'clock at night. Okay. And as he went out onto the, the street, it was a busy street on Westheimer, uh-huh. um, he was he was attacked. Oh no. He was attacked um, by, by someone and... Um, they ended up having to take him to the hospital. Now he, oh, wow. he had left his wallet inside the house. So when the ambulance took him, they didn't have his identity or anything. Oh. And, and we were inside the, the rectory, inside the church property. He was uh-huh. outside um, checking on the trees. And so we get a call. Um, the parochial vicar at the time got a call at like three o'clock in the morning. Hey, they think they found father and he's in, he's in the hospital. Can, can you come in and verify? Because he doesn't have any ID or anything. Yeah. And he's and unconscious, so I suppose. He's unconscious. Huh? Oh, wow. And so he, so the, the, um, the parochial vicar comes, knocks on my door and he says, Hey, uh, it's, I know it's three o'clock in the morning, but uh, I need you to celebrate the morning mass. And I'm like, what? Like, I've been ordained for like, <laughs> I've been ordained for like three days. Like what is going on? Like what, <laughs> what, what happened? I just got ordained. And you want me to stop? I was like three o'clock in the morning. What's going on? So he's like, I got to go to the hospital. I'll go and check on, on, um, on the pastor. I'm like, what, what's going on? So he, he rushed wow. off and I'm sitting there and I'm just in shock. I'm like, what, what is going on? <laughs> so, it gets dropped in I, your lap. Right? It gets dropped <laughs> in my lap three days later. So, um, Long story short, the the pastor was was never able able to to recover fully. Oh, wow. He he actually so he he had like a stroke from the incident. Oh. He had a, a, just a number of things. That's horrible. Um, he was already older, and it the 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 attack just it was. Did they, it was, did they ever catch? Whoever? They they caught the guy, but um, he it was it was quite clear that he had some kind of mental illness oh. or something. So he needed treatment in that regard. But um, the pastor has since. Um, passed away. And so oh, after, wow. after all that incident, the parochial vicar actually became the pastor. Okay. And then I, so just maybe like a week or two after that, I was asked to stay to be the parochial vicar there. Because okay. um, I was such a big parish. We stayed, I stayed at St. Anne's um, on Shepherd and Westheimer. It's mm-hmm. such a, it's a large parish. Yes. Um, right in the middle of the city. Um, and we had uh, such a mix of, of different people in our in our congregation, such a mix of different people in our flock. We had people um, who were um, fairly wealthy from the River Oaks area, and then uh-huh. we had people who um, were also coming into us from from all different parts. So we had a big Spanish community that would drive in from um, different parts of the city, from everywhere from, we had people coming in from Humble, driving in really? like 30, uh-huh. 40 minutes wow. to come to St. Anne's um, because they liked our, our Spanish community. We had people... Um, coming in from Sharpstown, people coming in from Richmond down here. I'm like, how do you make that drive every Sunday? <laughs> but they would spend the whole day there at St. And that was their parish. And that was their parish. That's cool. But they, that, that, that community, that parish has been around since the late 1920s. It became a Brazilian parish in the 1930s. So people, people there have had 
um, whole families that have gone through the school, through, mm-hmm. um, they've had all their sacraments there. Everybody, people have been baptized, confirmed, married there. They've had parents, relatives there for, for a long time. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of those historical parishes exactly. that people have been there. You look up at some of the stained glass windows and you see some of the big, um, big Catholic names um, from old Houston, like Strake. Like Strake donated money for some of those. Uh-huh. Um, like some of these big, big names are, are all around. Um, so it, it was a very interesting parish because you get so many different things from, um, kind of giving spiritual direction, pastoral counseling to, um, doing lots of baptisms and lots of weddings in my, so since I was there during like 2020 to, to 2023, right after COVID during COVID, not too many weddings, understandable, but yeah. right after, um, right into like 2021, and on, we yeah, were getting boom. so yeah. many weddings. I was having some weeks where I was doing two weddings a week, uh-huh. two, two weddings in a single day. And I just had to pray to God. I said, please, God, please don't let me mess up the names. Don't let me mix up the names of these couples. And so I I, I was doing tons of, of weddings. That's where kind of my bread and butter uh, was. So I was doing lots of weddings there at St. Anne's. And then um, we did have our fair share of funerals as well. Um, but it was it was a beautiful parish with a, with a great young adult community, mm-hmm. great young adult group, and so I, I really got involved with them, did a lot with them as well. What's um, the name of the the pastor there now? The pastor there, his name is Father David Zapalak. Okay, and who was what was the name of the priest that the that the pastor? His on? name was Father Al Sinisak. Okay, yeah. Wow, very sad. Yes, yes. The, yeah. the community must have taken that really hard, huh? It was, yeah. It was tough. It was very tough because um, everybody knew him. They had seen him suffer so much and go through so much yeah. those years. He had also had cancer as well. Um, oh, wow. And so it was, yeah, he went through a lot. He went wow. through a lot. I, I can imagine there might have been, like you might have had to counsel some people through the grief and through the anger. Yes, yeah. Of, of that. Yes. Very yeah. difficult. And then you yourself going through that grief and anger. How, how, do, you, how do you handle that as, as a priest? So as a priest, uh, I, I would take that to, to prayer and I also take it to my spiritual director. And that's where I had kind of a, the space that I needed to, to really work through everything and say like, hey God, like, why is this happening? Why is this going through this for, for my brother? Why is, this, why is this happening? And then I was able to, to bounce that off of my spiritual director as well. And he was saying like, hey, like, you know what? We don't understand why some of these ha- things happen, mm-hmm. but what we can take from this is that God can make good things happen out of out anything bad. And so something good will come out of this. We don't see it right now, mm-hmm. but something good will come out of this. Wow. I can't, I cannot imagine if somebody attacked father, dad yeah. here, Ooh, that, 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 that could really, you know, take a long time for you to just get over. Yes. Yeah. To, to grapple with. So when did you find out that you were going to be reassigned? So I found out that I was going to be reassigned closer to maybe about like March of uh, last year. Um, call, like March of this past year, I'm sorry, March of this past year. So we were, we have a, a, a general chapter, which is, so the way that religious orders, most religious orders work is um, they will have kind of a general chapter, which is like a general election, but they also, we also get the opportunity to um, kind of work through and um, write new, I would say like, rules or laws for okay. for our rule of life or our way of life. Um, and so we can add things in there. 
And so what happens is that each house elects specific um, specific members to go as representatives, as delegates okay. to this, um, this kind of big summer meeting that we have uh-huh. every four years. And so at the meeting, we will have um, talks and discussions to say, hey, what are kind of the critical topics that our community needs to talk about? So it'll be things like um, interculturality, things like um, kind of vocations, um, evangelization, things like that, our, our teaching ministry in our specific schools. So we'll talk about those major topics and say, is there anything specifically that we should change, that we should adapt to, so that we should add to our way of life mm-hmm. um, from our discussions? I and, like that. The fact yeah. that you guys can have that kind of those kind of councils that yes. you can you can kind of evolve yes. as the years go on. Exactly. I like that. that's that's awesome. And and so we'll take that and then what we end up doing is kind of at the last part of that that general chapter, that time together, we'll also have the elections for the superior general, so like the the priest that's in charge of all the the bazillions. Okay. As well as um his vicar general, which is like the like kind of like the vice president, the one right mm-hmm. next to him, right? And then his counselors. So his counselors are like his his cabinet, like his mm. his people that that help and and guide him and give him advice. Yeah. So we we were elect different people um, in that regard. And then what happened was the last general chapter, which was actually just last year, the um the director of scholastics, so the director of seminarians here in Houston got elected to the council. And so they had to switch him out with somebody else because the director of scholastics, the director of seminarians has to write letters of recommendation. He has to give um, his recommendations on specific seminarians as to whether they would uh, be good for um, like going to ordination or going on to the next step. Yeah. Right? And so there would be kind of a conflict of interest for him to write a letter to himself because he's on the council already. <laughs> yeah. Right? So yeah. they switched him out and they said, hey... Um, Father Eduardo, we think that you would be good for this position. Uh Um, We really want you to consider being the director of Scholastics. So I said, okay, I'm I'm willing to do it. So um, I I had one Scholastic with me this year. I had another one who was on pastoral year up in Michigan. And so I said, I'll I'll work with it this year. I said, but um, I said, the problem is that the the Scholastics, the seminarians all live close to the University of St. Thomas campus. They all live on campus. I said, it's going to be kind of like a, a drive for me to go from University of St. Thomas back and forth to St. Anne's yeah. to the parish. I said, would it just be possible if I am the chaplain there and I switch places and the chaplain there right now just goes to the to St. Anne's Saint to the Anne, parish? Yeah. And they said, oh yeah, sure. So we we took our discernment. We, we had to uh, they had to contact the Cardinal and ask uh, for his permission to make that change. Mm-hmm. Everything went through. And so by the time we worked everything out, the, the announcement was made uh, in about March of this year. And so that's where we, we knew it was a possibility, but it didn't get formalized until uh, until March. So Father English is there now in St. Father Anne. English is there now at St. Anne's and I'm I'm at the university. We just switched spots. That's nice. Yes, it it yeah. worked nicely. Yes, yeah. And it's it was a great fit that you're from. From the university. The so university, I mean, it was, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was like going back to home there. When they, I think when the, <laughs> the president and some of the vice presidents, some of the people there uh-huh. found out, they're like, oh yeah, you know, we, we remember... Remember, uh, they call me Eduardo. You remember Eduardo back when he was still a student? Now uh-huh. he's Father Eduardo. I said, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're happy to have him. So that's awesome. So good. some of the people are still there. Oh yes, yes, yeah. That's fantastic. So now that you're, you know, you you pretty much several weeks into it now. Mm-hmm. Um, looking ahead, what what are your goals? What did you say when you you know when you stepped foot on UST again? What was the 
the number one thing on your mind, your goal to do? So my, my number one goal, like the number one thing I was, I've been looking forward to is just making those connections with those students that, uh, that they made with me, that, that, that chaplain made with me back all those years ago, helping them encounter Christ, reaching out to even those, those students who uh, maybe are not that involved with campus ministry. Maybe they're just kind of in their own little silo in their own kind of little group on the side and helping them under, understand and who Jesus is and, and encounter him there at the university. One of the, one of the main things, one of the last main things that, that was on our checklist with my, my first spiritual director when we were looking at universities was, he's like, the way that you're gonna find um, the university that, that you're called to, the way that you're gonna find a religious order, he said, because there's honestly so many options from Franciscans to Dominicans, mm-hmm. like to really discern which religious order the Lord calls you to. You gotta say, where do I find God the most? Where do I find him the most, right? And he said, he himself, he was a diocesan priest. And so he said, I found God the most in my parish. You know, I was, I was involved with a lot of different activities, youth group, um, things like that at, at my parish. And that's where I really found him. He said, but it might be different from you. And so I said, okay, well, I mean, I go to daily mass at school. Uh-huh. I, I find him here in the chapel at school. I do go to, I mean, I, I do have a parish, but I'm definitely more involved with different things at school, school retreats. Um, I, I'm just involved with finding him more here at school. And so maybe that's where I'm, I'm called to, to find him. And so that's where the, the kind of the education, the teaching came into play. That's where um, I really said, you know what? I, when I got to that university, I said, I feel like this is where, where God is calling me because I'm finding him here at this, this chapel at the mm-hmm. University of St. Thomas. And so when it came to, to the bazillions, I'm like, they're all about teaching. They're all about helping people find God at the school setting in education, I think this is where I'm supposed to be. And I, and I feel called to do that with so many of these students. I mean, you look at so many of these students, we, I mean, we do have quite a lot of people going to parishes, mm-hmm. but you can see also that there's, there's quite a few students who go to Catholic schools, Catholic high schools, uh-huh. even Catholic grade schools, Catholic universities who are nominally Catholic, but they're not going to, to mass on Sundays. They're not practicing their faith. Just by name, Just they're, by name Catholic, they're Catholic, exactly. but they don't live the lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And so they might not, we might not be able to catch them at a parish because they're not going to go to mass on Sunday. They're not going to get involved with parish activities, but where do we find them and where do we get them? Where do we have the space to, to share the Catholic faith with them and, and really set them on fire? They're going to be at school. Yeah. They're going to be at the school. Because they're 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 enrolled at our at our Catholic schools, but we need to to really catch them and evangelize them there, so that they can be set on fire to to go to the parish and say, you know what, the the faith that I'm learning here in the classroom is more than just words and book. It's it's really something that's alive, and I need to practice it. It's something that I need to to live out each day of my life, and I do that by going to the parish. So, I. I see the the great need for for Catholic education and and the great importance that it, it is the pivotal role it plays, especially now in our times. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to kind of work a little bit more on on making that that jump from okay, this is this is a faith 
that I'm learning about in the classroom to this is the faith that I'm living out every day. It's, yeah, in yep. it's part of your life. Exactly, yeah. It, you're using it to guide you. Exactly, Not exactly. just the, the numbers and names and all that that exactly. you know in the prayers. Well, yeah. it's like when you go into, people don't think about it, they won't think about like math the same way, right? They'll go into a math class and I, if I was to say, okay, I'm going in, I have... I have uh, calculus. Actually, I don't use calculus every day. But if I have like algebra or something, you yeah. know, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not going to do like a whole equation f- to figure out like how much to pay for yeah. for this soda or whatever. But I still have to know like how to basically add, subtract, and things like that mm-hmm. to just live my daily life, right? I got to put those basic math principles that I learned in grade school to to use in my daily life when I'm when I'm making a purchase, when I'm trying to. Um, figure out almost anything, right? So why why shouldn't it be the same with our faith? Like, sure, you, you've learned these kind of basic principles all throughout your your Catholic education, but it's not something that you just kind of hide away and, and put on a, on a bookshelf. Like, this is something that you need to live out. And we don't think about any other aspect of our education that way, you know? We don't, whether yeah. it's science, history, English literature, math, we take that and we practice it, even in, in small moments of our lives. What would you say to somebody who was like you, who was discerning in college, like right now, yeah. if, you, if you run into a student, what would you say to them who's like struggling with a, whether or not they should enter a vocation, religious vocation? I would say the first step is to really talk to somebody. So it's, it's not something that's like a light bulb moment. It's not like a, like a one and done thing. Mm-hmm. This is something that needs to be progressively um, discussed, talked about. And the first and most important tool that you have is communication. First and foremost, communication with God, praying, praying and discerning are, are super essential to each other. And then uh, also talking to somebody else, having that spiritual director along the way, each step of my journey, I wouldn't have been able to, to do everything that I've done without them along the way. So having a, a spiritual director, somebody you can talk to, uh, especially if you're discerning the priesthood, having a priest to talk to, mm-hmm. if you're discerning religious life and and you're a woman, having uh, someone who's in consecrated life, uh, a sister, um, a nun, somebody to talk to, that's that's so crucial. Um, you know, it even like I, I tell students, I'm like, even if you were, think about it this way, even if you were like discerning marriage, you wouldn't just go up to somebody and be like, hey, uh, you want to get married. You have to enter into a conversation with them, right? Yeah. Like, like communication is even, even essential to, to get like a boyfriend or a girlfriend to start yeah. entering into any kind of relationship. You need to talk to them, right? Yeah. And talking's a two-way street, right? So it, you, you have a little bit of listening, you have a little bit of, of, of talking on your own. So if communication is, is so essential for all aspects of, of discerning a vocation, whether it's the married life, the single life, the the religious life, the priesthood, like that's something that we really need to build up, um, mm-hmm. really, really build up. And it, and it, it all, it all just begins just with a, a normal kind of one-on-one conversation, conversation, conversation with God first in prayer. And then, and then with, uh, with somebody else. Let's say you encounter somebody who's thinking about joining a religious order. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them about, you know, the Basilians or any other religious order? So I would say to them, Kind of what what my my spiritual director told me. If you're if you're discerning a religious life, a religious order, um, definitely see where you feel most at home. Where where could you see these people being your brothers for for the rest of your life? Where could you see these these people being your sisters for the rest of your life? 
Um, the religious order is a family, but it's also a complete way of life um, with the vows, giving yourself totally to to the church, to to your community as well. That takes a lot. And honestly, you might not understand everything that you're getting into at the outset. I mean, I, I, we, we, we do all these classes and things for, for uh, people before they get married so they can kind of understand what they're getting into. Uh-huh. But I, I tell you, most people that get married don't understand 100% of, of what they're going to get into or what they might face throughout their life. Oh, you know, yeah. Things just might, <laughs> life throws curveballs at oh, us yeah. and we don't understand exactly everything. But honestly, being open to that opportunity of religious life, you might not be completely ready for, for your calling, but the Lord will give you the tools and the time that you need to build up uh, those skills so you can live out that religious life. So don't be afraid. Because I know a lot of people are kind of afraid nowadays of, of making those decisions or even yeah. taking that first step. So take that first step, try it out, and, and keep on going progressively and saying like I did, is this really where you want me, God? Yeah. Like, I'm just doing a check-in. Is this really where you want me? If it isn't, then maybe I'll take a step back. And I've known people who, who didn't make it all the way through. People were in formation with me who, uh, who left, got married, who left, joined other religious orders. Uh-huh. And, and that's fine. And they said they don't regret um, their time with, with the Bazillion Fathers. They don't regret their time um, in religious uh, formation because they learned a lot. They learned a lot along the way. They learned how, more how to, how to pray. They learned mm-hmm. um, some life skills that they probably wouldn't have learned if they had not joined. And I, I suppose the purpose of their discernment was to find out that it wasn't right for exactly, them. Exactly, yeah. 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 Well, I want to thank you so much for, you know, for coming in and, and coming out here to, you know, making the drive out here to full shear to, to sit and talk with us and share your story. And I, I'm going to give you my son's picture. I'm going to ask you if you could keep an eye on him. Oh right? yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> oh, well, did you say how long you were going to be at UST? Um, it's up to God, whatever God wants. So. so there's no set time. There's no set time. You're there for the foreseeable future. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm going to hope that you're going to be there until, you know, my, my son graduates. I'll be good. I'll be good. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I, I wish you the best with, you know, your work with the students. God bless you, Father. Thank you. God bless you too.